Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. pa a a a a pa a a a a a a a a a a pa a a a a a a a if you're listening to this, well, there's no chance you will be because I'll delete it. Welcome to Park Date in Central Park, New York. You're going to love today's episode. It's a journey down memory lane across the highways and byways of a long-forgotten America with an amazing guy. He's a journalist for WABC Channel 7 in New York, where we met by the Regis Philbin statue and... um, he also has a, a website, The Retrologist, and uh, his Insta is Rolando Pujol. It is, of course, Rolando Pujol. And we will be talking about all kinds of retro stuff, TV, uh, Howard Johnson motels, and, of course, Pizza Hut's. And if you like part dates and you want to hear more of this kind of... Um, uh, stuff where two uh, old men walk around the park and reminisce, then uh, leave us a good review and um, remember to subscribe to the podcast. The socials are Park Day Podcast and mine is at Christopher Beanland. Enjoy this episode. Welcome to Central Park, and I'm here with Rolando Pujol. Rolando, thank you so much for joining me My today. My pleasure. Great we've, to be here. We've had a great little conversation on the way over from uh, the ABC yeah. 7 Studios about uh, TV <laughs> and 
history and all kinds of things. So we'll talk about those as we go for a little, let's go for a little a stroll little around stroll, you know, around Central Park. We're and maybe, starting at a pretty good spot here. Uh, tavern yeah, so on the Green, I guess. Tavern we, on the Green, yeah. If, if, uh, if you had, if you could expense this, we could maybe <laughs> have some lunch. And, uh, well, we've just, we're just we're like two, two old men talking about the glory days of journalism. <laughs> oh, no, I know. Expenses, I remember those. Remember those? I, remember, you know? I don't think I filed an expense claim for a very, very long time. You know, or if you did, you got a lot of, uh, and yeah. so did you really need to do this? Yeah. And what, did this, what was this for and all of that yeah, yeah times I, change man exactly exactly so Rolando you're, yeah. you're, on, you're on staff now at ABC correct ABC yes. 7 but one of yes. the things that I really really love uh, that you do mm-hmm. is this thing the Retrologist correct yes I'm heading on Wednesday upstate to the Catskills Ooh. And um, maybe that would be a good opportunity for me to check out some of the mid-century, mm-hmm. uh, some of the mid-century modernism that you've been uh-huh. you've been documenting. I already have. After we finish, I'm going to send you a list of you places that you yeah. should check out. Yeah. Just tell me where you'll be, and I'll because I, I keep lists for um, locations for yeah. shoot either places I've, I've visited or places I would like to for all 50 states, multiple countries. Yeah and principalities and wherever <laughs> I hear something I'm like oh that's interesting that's in the middle of uh, you know wherever uh, Brazil but someday I'll go there so I'll make a note of it exactly so I, 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 I have a ready made Catskills uh, guide well, for you one so. of the places I'm staying is the Starlight Motel oh yes you're following yes yeah. I'm following them they're following me I did a piece about them right shortly after they reopened and uh, renovated and did the remarkable job that they are doing there and they're terrific people yeah. just uh, then I, I reached out to them and said look you know I took some I, I snuck onto your property I took a bunch of pictures I want to but here's what I do yeah. I'm just not going to post them and say you know hey isn't this cool isn't this groovy uh, I want to know tell me the story yeah. what's the history of this place how did you get involved in this place what are you trying to do with this place because what I try to do with a retrologist um, is really go to a deeper level yeah um, yeah pretty pictures are nice a little caption that says you know the Starlight Motel since 19 whatever done right easy uh, and then you move on with your day but I each one of these things for me is a little kind of a craft piece. Yeah. It's something that I, especially now that I have this audience, and I think I got the audience because I put this level of work and passion mm. and thought into every single post. So it, there, there is no such thing as a throwaway post. Uh, I would rather not post for days than post something that's substandard. So I reached out to them. Uh, we did an email interview, uh, put together something very, very nice. And it was great because... I felt like I was in on this particular beat. I was onto the story early because yeah. that place uh, is just on fire. You yeah. know, it is really um, very, very popular, and and they, you know, are part of this broader trend of revival in the Catskills that is very refreshing to see. Because the general, when I tell people who are maybe ten or twenty years older than me uh, that I'm going up to the Catskills this weekend. And they're like, oh, my God, how utterly depressing. <laughs> really? You know, all those rundown resorts and yeah. there's no life up there and the economy is miserable. And I'm like, yeah, no, and for sure. And that's certainly part of the story. And there are elements of that that still are there. But there is there is a great deal of revival, too, mm. and people rediscovering the Catskills. I only wish that I had bought real estate up there <laughs> even five years yeah, ago. could have made uh, a fortune. I could have made a fortune, you know, and I'd have this lovely weekend place. Anyway, um, so, and now about a year after my profile of the Starlight, the folks behind the renovation of the Terrace Motel 
in nearby Ellenville, just down Route 209, reached mm -hmm. out to me, and they kind of gave me an exclusive on their plans for that property, yeah. which had been abandoned for a while, but had good bones, yeah. you know, good mid-century building, a wonderful sign, and they said, would you be interested in telling our story? And I'm like, you're darn tootin' not to be interested in telling <laughs> your story. And that was back in uh, June of 21, I want to say. Yeah. And they're making progress. They're moving along, and I, I can't wait to get up there and and see the final result. I can't wait to stay at the Starlight at some point. So yeah. I'm, I'm a little bit jealous, I got to say. Good for you, <laughs> yeah, man. Come, come, come join me. I'll come, come join me. I'm going to yeah. crash. Hello. Come. Hey, Christopher. Exactly. Right. Well, yeah, you know, I've got coffee. Bring it Danish. We've got there you go. Like all yeah. right. All right. I'm on it. <laughs> yeah, but I do, yeah, I do think it's interesting. That whole history, I've, I've never yeah. been before, so I'm really... Oh, how, really, how wonderful. Yeah, really interesting. You've seen Dirty Dancing. I've seen Dirty Dancing. Exactly. So I'm kind of thinking, is it going to be like Dirty <laughs> and it also, is it going to be like the marvelous Mrs. Maisel? There's going to be they, a little bit of that. Where they go to the resorts. I was learning about the Borscht Belt. Yes. That history of like Jewish comedy and stuff. Absolutely. Yeah. And there's yeah. still plenty of traces of that, both extant and, uh, and a gone. Yeah. And uh, there's actually up uh, in sort of the extreme north, I guess in extreme northwestern fringe of the Catskills, very much closer to Bingington than, say, uh, you know, the core of the Catskills, the actual resort from the marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Is there, is there oh. and can be purchased not purchased can be visited I think yeah. it was on the market for a while I don't know I think it's sold I'm not sure um, but uh, there's even a big billboard that was featured in the show that you'll recognize right. that uh, at least when I was up there when I visited during a snowstorm in December of 2019 driving up there in the snow I do these crazy things yeah. um, you know I, it was there I thought I can send you some pictures from yeah, the story notes do. if you want yeah, so yeah so good for you yeah but the Catskills are are just you know teeming with this stuff but uh, but my you know portfolio if you will is certainly national yeah you know? you've gone all, all across the country all over you? the place yeah. absolutely yeah. yeah what are some of the um, some of the discoveries you've made Rolando mm -hmm. that really that have really opened your eyes or that you, you thought, wow, this is an incredible thing? Well, you know, for me, the, 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 the transcendent moment where I think I really realized that I'm, I'm going to kind of double down on this and really, really, really make it like my avocation and perhaps one day mm -hmm. my vocation full on uh, was a trip in 2013 with some buddies uh, where we explored Route 66 from mm -hmm. end to end, Chicago to Santa Monica. Remarkable experience. And it yeah. was... Not only what we saw, you know, the architectural remnants, the old signs, the ghost towns, uh, the, the natural vistas, but it was also, and perhaps more importantly, it was the people. Yeah. Uh, and uh, talking to them and becoming to understand that these places survive not by accident, you know. Yeah, sure, an, an abandoned relic will, but generally what I, what I post about are not abandoned relics, but rather places that have defied the odds that somehow are still here. Why are they still here? You know, what is driving them forward? And it's people, people yeah. who care about them, people yeah. who are passionate about them, people who have made a, a very serious choice in their life. I mean, they passed up, passed up potentially far more remunerative career pursuits, living in other places. They're tied to this place because it means something to them. And, and the fact that these places get the kind of response that they do on social media and other outlets i mean in books and everything mm. reflects how meaningful and significant they are yeah so exactly and we're, we're talking as well as as well as motels about mm. things like restaurants a lot um, yeah. stores uh, kind of eccentric buildings 
all the the full the full range of that. Yeah. I mean, you will find it. Um, you know, certainly it was there on '66. But I am looking for that. You don't have to go on the Great American Road Trip on the mother road that is Route 66 to find this stuff. Yeah. Uh, basically, what you need to what I what I tell people to do who are interested, you know, and are looking to make their own discoveries and have their own journeys. Is first of all to follow me because I will, <laughs> I will give them great advice, and I, yeah. I just launched a Substack newsletter, so there'll be plenty of good stuff in there as well. And talk a little bit about that later. But I mean, to basically just like open your eyes to where you are. Mm. I mean, the roots of the rachologist began, you know, in the mid two thousands when I was writing for AM New York and Newsday. I was an, an editor yeah. uh, in those publications here in the city. And uh, I would basically write about similar places right here in Manhattan, whether it be preservation battles. I launched a series called Endangered NYC that received a very notable award. There were people coming up to me saying, why aren't the Daily News and the New York Times covering you know, what's happening in these neighborhoods and yeah. how development is rampant? And we have to sort of stand up for mom and pop businesses. Who is advocating for the survival of the soul of New York right. during and one of the greatest development run-ups that was, you know, the first couple of terms of the Bloomberg administration? Right. A very hostile time. And that's, that's, you know? a, that's yeah. a, a fascinating story in itself, mm. that kind of community community organization and yeah. also go back to mrs mazel oh I, yes <laughs> i couldn't i couldn't believe my eyes when i saw jane jacobs appear <laughs> do you remember in that episode where they're they're having a meeting in washington square because i remember yeah. I've, I've written a bit about this as well like mm-hmm. the plans for the the lower manhattan expressway yes our, our buddy was, robert moses yeah robert you know. moses wanted to basically <laughs> demolish all of little italy yes and he did the village and all these places Soho, and, goodbye yeah, you know? Jane, yeah jane jacobs and all the locals kind of got to got together to to pro- protest that correct, correct. Um, and and that, that that kind of spirit can live on can't it the community says okay like actually we want to maybe keep these historic buildings they mean something to us that's right that's right there, there is significance in this I and mean, you think about the run-up in value uh of you know the properties that robert moses wanted to de- mm-hmm. redevelop down there i mean clearly there was a, the economic imperative was not to build the highway to get to facilitate faster transportation yeah. of goods and services it, it was to invest in the communities you know and uh because that is where that's where the the beauty and the history but also for those who are speculative and that is how new york began it was a dutch outpost where the main purpose was we don't care who you are what your skin is color is who you sleep with we just do you want to make money yes come to the right place (laughs) welcome to new amsterdam have fun right that dna is still here The, 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 the smartest economic move at the time was not to demolish but rather to to, to invest and build mm. in the existing buildings and streets and, and businesses that were there. I mean, you think about what was lost in New York in those years. I mean, the, the, the neighborhoods that were erased wholesale uh, yeah. in the Bronx and other parts of the city. You think about even where we just met at uh, right across the Caddy Corner from the ABC headquarters is Lincoln Center. And that was a vibrant neighborhood at one time. Yeah, what was dismissed as a slum, San Juan Hill, but uh, and it's of course its its ruins were um, forever preserved in the original West Side Story, right? So yeah, that was shot there, even in Central Park, Seneca Village, right? Correct, was here. That it was here. People don't realize. No, there's a sense people African American residents were absolutely there. Was there was business here? There were there were things here that uh, were that were, were. they were simply deemed unimportant yeah. and yeah. they were subsumed to the broader goal that had been 
sort of advocated by William Cullen Bryan that you know we need a we need a central park, we need a, a yeah. place that we can preserve, and, and I get I certainly get the impulse because even then in the 1840s and 50s, people DNA New York being New York, mm. it develops, you know it it, it 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 changes every generation, and I think there was an alarm that whatever bucolic open spaces were left in New York were going to be eventually gone. Yeah. So and it's quite funny you look all around us we're seeing all these. Yeah, these glacial erratics. These, and, these rocks are all fake, right? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Well, no, well those were, those were, but everything rocks, else is fake. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. Fake in the sense that it was very carefully planned. Exactly. You know, yeah. down to the, yeah, the so it smallest looks, tree. It looks but, natural. That's the thing about a park, isn't it? Yeah. It looks natural, but it's actually a kind of it yeah, was, man-made. It, it was man-made a man-made thought. Yeah. They thought about it in, in terms of different aspects. This area will appeal mm. to families and children. This area will appeal to right where we near, we were near the sheep meadow. Yeah. You know, I mean, there were actually once upon a time sheep there. They should bring them back. They should. I think and, it would be great to have sheep there. And to go back to what we were talking about earlier, do you know who got rid of the sheep? No. In 1934? Was it Moses? Yes. <laughs> Robert, it's always Robert Moses' This fault. guy, you know. <laughs> freaking sheep <laughs> they're out you know i mean what did robert moses have against the sheep i don't know i mean you'd have to ask him but he's uh in a mausoleum in the bronx you know but uh but uh it's probably covered no doubt yeah. in the uh, in the robert cairo book you yeah, know the power broker the which power broker. has been taunting looking at me taunting me from my bookshelf yeah. for a good 20 years it's a very big picture. i'm gonna read it yeah. It's gonna ha- it's gonna change my life. My understanding of New York will never be more sophisticated. Yeah. I still haven't done it. We could we could do that in the Starlight Motel. There's probably, there's probably <laughs> yes. no data service there. So no, there we, you go. We have to we have to read it. There you go. I mean, that's a good place to you know get yeah, a thousand definitely. plus pages. But anyway, yeah. Um, but yeah, and but it, it's funny that though that that the the sheepfold that was there, the building yeah. that eventually became Tavern on the Green, which is of course oh, one yeah. of the great. Um, new iconic New York restaurants in its current iteration since 2014, but its glory days were back in from the mid 70s through the early to mid 2000s under the control of Warner Leroy, uh, descended from the great Warner Brothers, right, uh, right. you know, dynasty and his family. I mean, that place in its day was one of those great late 20th century restaurants that you. You had to see to believe the Crystal Room. I went once with uh, my family um, after catching the Nutcracker at Lincoln Center. I think it was back in, yeah, it was in 2001. And uh, right after 9-11, we were, everybody was, was horrifically, of course, traumatized, yeah. right? We fortunately lost nobody there, but it's, it was a, the kind of blow that you never get over, right? And so we were on this mission to visit like iconic New York restaurants and places and sort of savor them. You know, because we could. Like, we were, um, 9-11, a bit of a, of a digression here, but on September 25th of that year, I was going to take my parents to celebrate their 30th wedding anniversary on top of the, the building at the restaurant, Windows on the World. Windows on the World. Yeah. yeah. It did not happen, of course, you yeah. know. And But uh, we ended up going instead to uh, the Four Seasons because they wanted to have this iconic I was New li- York experience. I was literally about yeah. to talk about the Four Seasons ah, as well, Rolando. Ah. Yeah, with the, this is, so this is the one with the Rothko um, yeah, paintings Tremendous. on the wall. Yeah. Oh, you would just what walk in like? there. It, w- there, there, there. it was like the very height of, mm. of, of mid-century uh, corporate-facing yeah. modernism. So that was a Mies oh. van der Rohe building mm-hmm. with Rothko, That's right. Rothko murals. Philip yeah. Johnson design. Johnson, uh, Philip Johnson oh. as well. Sorry, yeah. Oh course. my God! Yeah. It was it was like like walking into some sort of rarefied temple. Yeah. Uh, a, re- a remarkable experience. I mean, nothing will ever 
uh, you'll never be able to have that Windows on the World experience. You know, yeah. I never actually ended up going there. But 30 years later, uh, on my parents' 50th wedding anniversary in 2021, I did take them to the new restaurant on top of One World Trade Center. So we did sort of tie that loop yeah. in, a, in a way. Not the same experience, uh, but still something special. Yeah, kind of a full, full circle. In a way, yeah, exactly. Yeah, experience. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but that, yeah, it's, <clears> very, it's really interesting. There's those iconic... Those iconic restaurants like the Four Seasons, but also, yeah. Rolando, you, you tell the story of the, the mom and pop, like the lunchettes. <laughs> yes. Luncheonettes? Luncheonettes. Luncheonettes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was reading, yeah, your, your piece about one of those mm-hmm. um, oh, on the Upper East Side I, I, the other day. Yeah, it, yeah, exactly. Lexington Candy Shop. Lexington Candy Shop. Yes. Yeah, exactly. You can get sodas and oh, we floats did. and things. So I have, I've posted about that uh, restaurant a couple of times yeah. on my Instagram. And then always looking to find ways to marry my vocation with my avocation, mm. I did also did produce an ABC7 piece yeah. for the localish franchise uh, about that place, and we interviewed the longtime owner. And uh, it was, uh, beyond being a brutally hot day, and uh, the AC wasn't uh, up to par, uh, it was a very, very fun experience. I mean, it used to be the luncheonettes. And what a luncheonette is, for those who don't know, is basically it's a, a small little restaurant but usually fairly slender tucked into the street grid uh with a long um soda fountain fountain uh with stools and uh, a lot of uh com- you know new york new york comfort food stables on the menu and uh drinks like pastrami uh, that kind of thing that kind yeah. of thing uh your basic hamburger and fries uh and then some like concoctions like lime rickies and 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 egg creams and these kind of things that you can only what's that an, are egg icon- cream? an egg cream in- does not involve it doesn't involve egg right and it doesn't involve cream <laughs> yeah, that's what it does involve it's like basically it's like uh uh milk um, uh, seltzer water, and then and then chocolate syrup, right? And then it's just stirred up, and it's a delightful, frothy com- co- concoction. Wow. Some believe that the chocolate syrup can only be if it's a chocolate egg cream. Has to be Fox's You Bet, right? Very specific about that. You will find Fox's You Bet at your neighborhood Gristides or, you know, uh, local local supermarket. Uh, but others feel it doesn't have to be that brand. Just it could be the, the the syrup that we create right here at the luncheonette. Yeah. But regardless, I mean, it is really one of those places, and that's that's so so special. And uh, it's also one that has been around so long that it's been immortalized in movies. Uh, if you've ever seen, it's one of my favorite movies set in New York. It's called uh, Three Days of the Condor, and it's uh, Robert Redford, Faye Dunaway, Cliff yeah. Robertson. And there's a very important scene. Well, not, not kind of important scene set in that luncheonette um, that uh, with Robert Redford in it and the place is big. you look at you know the, the images in the film and the yeah. way it looks today no significant changes and the gentleman that I interviewed the owner so he's was in just the, he's, he's in, in the movie, movie isn't he yes, yeah exactly yes. he I think he yells like chicken plate or yeah. something like that <laughs> and uh, and there he is which is just yeah. absolutely wild and we conducted the interview pretty much where he was standing in the movie which is like how cool is that? That yeah. we have that kind of continuity. So luncheonettes like that in 1975, they were already disappearing. I mean, fast food was a, was on the rise, yeah. and uh, and you know real estate was you know becoming more valuable. But there were still many of quite a number of them today in New York City. There, generally speaking, there aren't that many left. I mean, you can count them with one or two hands. You know, I mean, there might be some that are newer yeah. or that are embracing that concept. But in terms of the old traditional ones. 
I mean, you're down to just a few, and you also have to go outside of the immediate environs of New York City, at least New York City proper, to places like, for example, Hildebrandt's, which is out in Williston Park on Long Island, not far from Queens, but uh, that is quite possibly, in my opinion, uh, the most beautiful storefront right. in the country. Right. You've seen it on my Instagram, I think, yeah. and posted it many times. It's almost like a go-to. Like if you need, you know, like you know, I've hit a rut. I need some uh, a boost in engagement. What could I? I'll post <laughs> Hildebrandt's again, you know. But they went through a real uh, crisis yeah. uh, with. Uh, there was a new landlord. There was an, uh, a, a very, very, uh, ex a very expensive. Um, uh, what you call it? The rent hike, and uh, the original, the owners who were had been running it for decades were on the verge of closing until these two gentlemen uh, came along and basically saved it. Yeah, you know, like, and it was when that news broke. I mean, it, it shook uh, not only like the, the preservationist slash roadside America world and you know in, in social media, but I would say like anyone who who values you know history, who values. Uh, the importance of mom and pop restaurants and that sense of continuity and community that these places yeah. uh, provide. Whether you live on Long Island or whether you live in Santa Monica, it doesn't matter. Yeah. The world is richer when these places uh, can Absolutely. survive. Absolutely. You know? uh, so, yeah, we need to we need to have those, and yeah. it's it's always a pleasure to to, to visit those places. Oh, as, yeah. as well, like obviously, there's as you know, I remember reading Fast Food Nation, and I thought, oh, oh my yeah. god, the fast food industry is a is it is actually a big problem, and it, uh -huh. and it is. However, yes, there's a kind of perverse beauty in <laughs> in those cookie cutter uh, fast food places, isn't there? And you, yes, and I like how you yes. kind of talk about that, Rolando, as well. Yes. Like, here's an original Pizza Hut. As do, do you know? You want to tell you about yeah. that? There was a gentleman. I hope he's listening to this because I, I sort of I just deleted his comment and just <laughs> forgot about it rather than engage. I generally ignore trolls, uh, but uh, don't feed the beast, as they say. Yeah, but right. uh, this guy, this time last year. I think he'd been following me almost from the beginning. He said, that's it. I'm out. I'm on following you. This is the second Taco Bell piece this week. <laughs> you know, I didn't See? follow you for yeah. this stuff. This is garbage. Have a great <laughs> life, you big fat jerk. Yeah. You know, and I'm like, yeah, okay, yeah. well, you know. It was, it was me. I'm not gonna, so, it was wasn't me, you, sorry. You set this whole thing up. Now we have a dramatic confrontation. I storm off. This turns into a whole scene. This is awful. This is a what a disaster. Yeah. But no, uh, this is, this it was you all it. along. It's you had this. I knew it. I knew it. Should have known this was a trap. <laughs> but, uh, but, uh, but yeah, yeah. But I, you know, I get that occasionally. But yeah. generally speaking, I would say uh, so much of the growth on my account has come from maybe not so much the mom and pops, rather the the quirky mm -hmm. surviving examples of the early fast food restaurants yeah. in America. And if I were to say two things have really driven that, a lot of that is you know sort of the great the great boogeyman which is of course mcdonald's which is blamed for all of society's problems from obesity to lower wages to the destruction of mom and pop restaurants and listen there's truth in in, in a lot of that but it's not all this this horrific mcdonald's isn't necessarily the great boogeyman mm -hmm. as a matter of fact you know for for many people um mcdonald's has been the means by which they have been able to achieve financial success and security. I mean, we forget that so many of these fast food places that we so quickly deride as, as change sapping America of their soul uh, are run by not the corporation, but by people. Yeah, they're, fra neighbors. they're franchises, aren't they? They're franchises, yeah. right, exactly. And they're they're struggling just as yeah. much as the, I mean, they have more resources perhaps from corporate, but uh, they're struggling just like the other guy too, who's yeah. running the, 
for luncheonette. I mean, different things. I don't want to necessarily equate the two, but it's not this, you know, you know, luncheonette versus yeah. McDonald's thing. You know, I mean, I, at least I don't see it that way. Yeah. Someone might hear this and say, "This guy doesn't know what he's talking about," but I do, and and I do feel that way. And I think these uh, there has been a, a tendency over the past ten years for fast food places to sort of disassociate themselves from their history, from their iconic roof lines and signage that it made them remarkable in the era where those things were valued as important marketing tools. You know, you're driving down the highway, you see the golden arches, you see the distinctive roof on the building, the men's, oh, that's McDonald's. Yeah. And I know I'm going to get the, the, the same experience at this one that I got. Remember, fast food places of that era, McDonald's and Burger King and pizza, these places emerged to fill a need. Yeah. I mean, there was, traveling could be dicey. You mm-hmm. know, you weren't necessarily going to have a reliable meal. I'm not saying it's uh, fast food is necessarily healthy. It's not, but it's a, you know what you're getting. Yeah. Right? And whereas back in the 30s and 40s on the road, you may not have. Yeah. Same reason that Holiday Inn rose because it gave yeah. people a reliable uh, lodging experience. But anyway, what's been happening is um, over the past 10 to 15 years, they've been moving away from this. You've seen this with Taco Bell. You've seen this perhaps with the greatest amount of of pain for people of my generation, sort of Generation X, with McDonald's, yeah. which sort of discarded all their McDonald Land characters, those fun play places, right? Uh, everything that made McDonald's hamburger, those right, things, uh, yeah. all of this, the grimace, you know, and and uh, and the buildings that the re- see in Europe, I've seen new McDonald's that echo the mansard roof line. Mm-hmm. There's certain element that they use more earth tones. Yeah. It's a little bit more like, I just wish what McDonald's had done is not completely scrap that the 50 years of heritage, but rather find a way to evolve it yeah. and, and still keep the cues. Exactly. You know? I, I wonder if Rolando, yeah. like they're, they're, they may be seeing the value of that nostalgia because I read that they launched an adult <laughs> Happy Meal. Yeah, uh, yes, so yes. I think, I yes. think they, they're, maybe they're seeing that. They're and also starting to get it. Yeah. yeah and I, I think you're right. Yeah. And you, you were talking about... as. I was a huge Pizza Hut fan. Oh, when yeah. I, when I was a kid, <laughs> I was growing up in England in, oh, a, in, in a small town, <laughs> and, you know, I was obsessed by America, <laughs> and Pizza Hut was the coolest oh, thing you can imagine in the Pizza 80s. Pizza Hut was so, like, McDonald's had a certain level of comfort, but they yeah. were ultimately very unpleasant seating. You know, yeah. it was plastic seating, and that, harsh fluorescent lighting. Yeah. But, but walking into a Pizza Hut on a Friday night after after yeah. winning very, your, 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 yeah. your, 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 your football game or whatever, yeah. what a remarkable <laughs> yeah. experience, right? Really and, cool. And though, yeah. so when you were, talk, you were talking on your feed yeah. about... People who have uh, kept these original Pizza Huts. Fascinating. They look like they're from from uh, s- from Stranger Things or correct. something. Yeah, it correct. Looks amazing. The seventies through nineties yeah. peak yeah, yeah, of yeah. the Pizza Hut dine dine in experience. And what's life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at UH1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. 
Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Interesting is what, they, what Pizza Hut has done, and they've never made a big deal about this. Yeah. There's ne- was never been, to my knowledge, a press release or a press push for this. But what they have done is, in, this is mainly in smaller towns where the original Pizza Hut uh, buildings have survived with the, the red roof. Not all have red roofs, but nevertheless, those, the, the bones of the old building are still there. Yeah. Is that they've offered them the Pizza Hut classic concept. Yeah. So what they do is they, they retro-renovate the place. Rather than going the McDonald's route, which is tearing down the old 1974 mansard and putting up a muck box, as I like to call yeah. them, or a muck Bauhaus yeah. building, you know, which is ever <laughs> so Bauhaus. clean. <laughs> very, you know, very, very high-end what they're doing yeah. there. You know, but they've gone back to that essential 70s Pizza Hut experience yeah. with the faux Tiffany uh, chandeliers with a Pizza Hut uh, yep. logo, uh, the checker, the checkerboard uh, table. Uh, I want to live there. That would be right. amazing. The red booth. It's so cozy. <laughs> yeah. So I, we're talking about what have. Tell me one of your big discoveries. Um, at, in 2020, I was driving along Route Six, US Six, which is uh, one of the early transcontinental yep. roads. A very interesting one that doesn't get a lot of attention. But I was up in Pennsylvania, and I'm just driving along. And I see this Pizza Hut sign in the distance with the old 1970s logo. It says Pizza Hut Classic. Yeah. I'm like, what is what that? What yeah. is this? <laughs> you know. And if you ask any of my friends who I've taken these road trips with, I'm always obsessed with finding like an an, an, an untouched Pizza Hut. Yeah. Or um, you know, a Kentucky Fried Chicken that still has a, the 1970s bucket spinning or something like. I can't yeah. find these things. You know. And I'm like, what is this? I pull over. It was closed. The dining room was closed because of COVID at the time. But I peer in a window and I'm like, what? <laughs> you know, and I'm yeah. literally, I was alone and I'm like calling people like, what do you want? Like, it's an emergency. What is it? I found an old Pizza Hut. Like, oh, Jesus Christ. You had me scared. You know, <laughs> you know, you know that's an emergency. Look what it is, though. You know, and I couldn't believe it. And then there's a, they, they each have a, a plaque by the door yeah. that explains the concept, what they're trying to do which is go back to the, the, the essential experience of the dine-in restaurant. Uh, and it's written, the, it's, it's quoted, it's attributed to Dan Carney, who was uh, one of the founders of Pizza Hut. Um, and uh, what a great concept. And so I posted yeah. about this, and like my account blew up. Yeah. Like, what the people just ended, are there more? And I knew of one more in Warren, Ohio, and that was it. And then I kept doing research and getting tips, and I found, well, there's a third and a fourth and a fifth. 
And I, vis I visited over the years several of these. And then finally, a couple of weeks ago, I decided, you know, one thing I would always hear from people is, can, is there a master list of where these places are? I'm like, no, you know, they're, they're not sure, they're not talking. I guess I'm going to have to do it, you yeah. know? So I spent a good bit of time doing the research and I put together a list. I published it a couple of weeks ago. The thing went crazy. The post, yeah. people were grateful to have it. But then, this is what I was hoping would happen, people emerged from the woodwork. Oh, there's also one in this town. Oh, you missed the one in my hometown. How could you? <laughs> it's like, well, thank you for telling me. Yeah. Don't give me a hard time about it. I'm going to put it on the list. Yeah. yeah of course, I would confirm that this was the case, either by calling the restaurant or checking on Google Maps. And sure enough, hey, look, it's been converted as of 2022. You know, And so now the list contains well over 50 of these Pizza Hut locations, and it all began with that one that I stumbled upon on a road trip in June 2020. So I think, you know, now I don't know how Pizza Hut's doing financially, whether this is helping, because this is part of an overall brand uh, brand move to go back to nostalgic elements, you mm -hmm. know? I mean, nobody out pizzas the hut, the return <laughs> of the old logo. Um, you see this in all their marketing, right? But uh, it, it, it must be having some impact because I, people, Simpson, I got a snarky comment. Tell me the truth. Are you on Pizza Hut's? Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. You know? Social, yeah, social media. Yeah. yeah. And I'm like, I'm, I'm really not. And yeah. if I were, I would certainly make that clear. Yeah. I mean, I do have some <laughs> semblance of ethical journalistic standards here. Uh, I'm just a, a fanboy who really appreciates what Pizza Hut is doing. And so do so many people. So it clearly must be having an impact. I received an email the other day from somebody and uh, she just wrote back to me. I haven't read the response, but uh, she reached out to me to get advice for her wedding. She wants to have her She's wedding, have a wedding at a Pizza Hut classic. classic. But the key thing that. is that she married it with, so to speak, <laughs> with a location where there's also like a nice resort, a hotel where her relatives can stay. Right. You know, and I, I suggested one location. I sent her my list. She looked it over. And based on what I, I had to read the whole email, but she found another location, I think, in Arkansas. She's yeah. like, I'm going to do, I'm, we're going to do that one. This is amazing. How amazing. R Rolando, the more I think about this, the more I think, <laughs> this is going to make a great documentary. Should yes. We, should we make a documentary well, film I, together? I, I'm I think so we should, freaking lucky. I think we should do that. You know, we should film at the wedding because that would be a great, <laughs> you know, that would be a great set No, no, piece. you're, you're on to something here. And then, and then like commit to it, like that documentary yeah. series and those kids that you check in on every seven years. Exactly. You know, because I mean, because there will be life, human life that will emerge from yeah. this couple's love of exactly. pizza, yeah, pizza. <laughs> which was facilitated by me. Yeah. So if I don't get an invite to this wedding, there to, is no justice absolutely. in the world. You need to get an invite. <laughs> absolutely. But I, think, yeah. I think here's another thing as yeah. well. The, that era, <clears throat> there was so much great, great architecture and great design. Yeah. And when you see, yeah. you know, these, these corporations kind of like updating their logo, it, oh. always, it always leaves me cold. Oh, I just it think- It kills me. You know, you see oh. like they had great, they had great design. I remember when yes. United as well, the oh. Massimo Vignelli oh. design, which looks amazing oh. for something that's kind of I mean, lame. If you want to really have a trippy experience, go on YouTube and find those, those, uh, uh, those, uh, 
um, United commercials from the early 70s, yeah. uh, and they will bring a tear to your eye. Yeah. They're just absolutely gorgeous. But yeah, they discarded all of that, and I guess they wanted to merge with Continental. Okay, you will keep a little bit of this, and, and but clearly this that was such a boardroom marriage. Yeah. Like, do what's right for the brand. You don't have yeah. to keep the Continental globe. And, Jesus. Exactly. And, you know, so. Amer American <laughs> Airlines as well. well oh, a great logo, ball. and the new one looks so bad in comparison. So bad. <laughs> you know, those iconic planes yeah, with they the look silver. Silver oh. planes with the logo. It looks amazing. Right. Lower maintenance. You don't have to yeah. play them. You know, you know, but uh, yeah, that is, I don't get when brands do that, especially in this time where there is so much, um, you know, we're living in an era where nostalgia, nostalgia has always been a factor. The, the, it's yeah. an old Greek word, right? But um, it's probably never been stronger than it is right now, uh, certainly in my lifetime, and I'm pushing 50. And, and that's because, you know, we, I mean, we're living through really awful, wretched times. And these things give us uh, certainly relief, yeah. uh, but also a continuity and maybe hope that you know things will get better. Yeah, you know. So, yeah, yeah. And there's, there's a there's a kind of like sort of there's a sort of warm kind of homeliness to the whole yes. the whole thing in a way. And yes. you know, when you were telling me about your journey, Rolando, mm -hmm. across across country, yeah, I I've always been so interested in America. And one of my relatives mm -hmm. when I was a kid. Uh, gave me these two books which were about sites you would see off the interstate. That's interesting. So they had a lot of these, you, you know, the, the, the very like ironic buildings like a basket, uh, yeah. the giant basket. Which, by the way, I post a lot about exactly, those Exactly, yeah. yeah. programmatic architecture. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The Beagle and all these yep. kind of things that you could see. And I thought, wow, this is, this is incredible. And actually, like... It, there's, there's something kind of weirdly comforting oh, in the weird. Absolutely, right? you know, like there's something we are just about. drawn to these places, yeah. right? You know, because because they're just fun. I mean, somewhere yeah. lurking inside of us, and this is, I think, why the McDonald's changes have been so heartfelt for people. Is is a child? You know, yeah. I mean, somebody, and maybe not a child, a child in the sense that a child. Uh, a children approach, approach life with a sense of wonder and joy. Yes, I think you're onto something. That's there. what exactly. it is. And this is yeah. this is a bit of whimsy yeah. in an otherwise yeah. pretty horrific world that we've born, <laughs> that we've been born into, yeah. and we have, if we're lucky, eighty or ninety years to figure our way through it. Right. Yeah. This is something that is a bright spot uh, that takes us out of our everyday and uh, elevates us in a way, even though it's uh, it's a, it's an office building shaped like a gigantic Longaburger basket, <laughs> which I visited the other Have day. Have you been there? Yeah. And it's just, it's certainly the saddest place now because the Longaburger company collapsed and yeah, somebody bought its assets, yeah, but the yeah. building's empty. It's yeah. very, very sad, you know? Happens all the time. But uh, yeah, I know, I love visiting giant teapots and coffee kettles and yeah. Yeah, coffee pots and you name it. I mean, uh, there, there's just so much fun. This, this week, actually Wednesday, I'm flying out to Cincinnati and then driving back uh, to uh, back to New York uh, over the weekend. And yeah. I've got a list of easily over 100 places I want to visit. And one of them is... I think it's Shippenburg, PA, where there is a gigantic paint can yeah. that I has been on my, burning a hole in my list of my bucket list for a while, uh, and so many other things that I want to shoot too. So there's just so much out there to see. I wonder whether the books that you had when you were a kid were by John Margolis, uh, possibly, possibly, because yeah. he was somebody who was doing this kind of documentation well before Instagram, mm -hmm. back in the 70s and 80s. Yeah. Because even then, when there was so much more of it, he sensed that this stuff was precious, valuable, and being very quickly uh, yeah. erased. Yeah, you know? ex so, exactly, being, being erased. And I, I wonder if, you know, people, certain people have kind of drawn attention to it over the years. Mm -hmm. you, you, Rolando, mm -hmm. 
Uh, I think about maybe Robert Venturi and Denise, yeah, Denise Scott, Scott Brown, Brown in their, yeah. their book. Like, is it a duck or a the, the decorated duck, shed? Which we visited too, you yeah, know. Exactly, I mean, yes, exactly. exactly. There's a really, a really good uh, 99% Invisible. Um, where that, that's right, and I think, you know, for these that. intellectuals like them, you know, elevating these places and saying, no, this is actually significant. This is not merely roadside, yeah. disposable roadside kitsch. But maybe that makes it seem more valuable, more, more important. Absolutely, you know. Um, yeah. yeah, and I also, also think about, um, I'm a huge Mad Men fan. And I'm oh, like, yes. There are episode, here. episodes of Mad Men, aren't there, where, where um, the, the Draper family go and uh, uh, I think about, there's a Howard Johnson, they're always going on about Howard Johnson's, aren't they? They're I've read about this. Howard Johnson's, I'll, yeah. I'll send you links about send this me, because yeah. um, when they had the Howard Johnson um, storyline, you mm. know, they were, they were allegedly stopping at a Howard Johnson's up in Plattsburgh, New York. Uh, the, I think the Concept 65 Hojo's, which I, was no longer there, has been repurposed. Uh, I believe it's been repurposed, but they filmed it at a the exterior uh, at a Howard Johnson's that had been closed in Baldwin Park, right. California, right. which I had visited, and um, and you know, and then I brought into some of my other experiences with Howard Johnson. It's funny you mentioned Hojo's yeah. because in terms of uh, you know brands and the fate of brands, that really inspired me to sort of go down this rabbit hole that has now consumed my whole life. Um, Howard Johnson's was one of those kind of uh, those agitators, if you will. As a child, uh, I grew up uh, within driving easy close distance of two Howard Johnson's where my parents would alternate my me and my sister's birthday parties. And uh, and so Hojo's always meant something very special to me. And it was very sad to see them go gradually. Certainly the restaurant branch, which began to collapse in the 80s. Yeah, people don't really know that that brand anymore, but it was kind of, yeah, sort of hotel, restaurant. Yeah, Yeah. the hotel brand, now owned by Wyndham, is still around. And they occasionally seem to hint that they're going in some legacy direction, Mm. but they never quite do. I would love if Wyndham said... You know what? We're going to bring back Howard Johnson restaurants. Yeah, yeah. But they never quite seemed to do it. So um, when the Howard Johnsons that had survived in Times Square, uh, which was one of the last vestiges of what I like to call Travis Bickles Times Square, you know, the taxi <laughs> Travis driver. Travis Bickles Times Square, yeah. It was really with the neon sign and the, the interior that had not been updated since, yeah. uh, you know, John Lindsay was mayor. And it was, the place was incredible. And uh, it closed in July of 05. And I remember I was at Newsday at the time, and I was like, "This is a big story. We got to cover it." And yeah. we were so we covered it. And I even sent uh, an ex of mine at the time to go to the uh, auction for its contents. I was at work that day; I couldn't make it. Yeah. And one of the things I yielded from that experience was a massive orange sign that says "Cocktails." Right. That had have been you got in, that in your place. house. It's in my house. That's fantastic. Every morning, <laughs> as I have my coffee. I think it's about like making it an Irish coffee. Yeah, every morning you have your cocktail. <laughs> yeah, so cocktails. At, it's cocktail time at Howard Johnson. You know, uh, and no. So yeah. the loss of that, and then another place around the corner, which was the mom and pop, you know, like uh, you know, watering hole, uh, McHale's in 2006, also very traumatic. And I'm like, okay, you know, we've got to start documenting these places, and more importantly, yeah. not just documenting them as, as, as oh, isn't this pretty, but really understand them, understand their stories, and make the argument for people who are in a position to do something about it, uh, why they should be preserved, yeah. you know, yeah. why New York City needs uh, uh, basically laws that are more conducive uh, to, certainly to legacy businesses. Yeah, yeah, for so. sure. And I think, you know, with, with that, that sense of like nostalgia and interest mm-hmm. in history, we were talking a little bit about television earlier, I think television has a great power, doesn't it? You know, you think of Mad Men, we talked about 
Mrs. Maisel. Mm -hmm. we, we mentioned Times Square. It made me think of The Deuce as well, which is another, yeah. another great show. All those like vinyl, the get down, all these kind of yep. like retro shows really actually open people's eyes. Maybe they, they don't realise they're getting a history lesson. No. You kind of sneak it in. And then it kind of makes people think, well, actually, that's quite interesting. That's quite interesting. Yeah, maybe and we should save some of these things. Absolutely. Yeah. And I love the fact that there is this trend in society that, that again, corporate America seems to be waking up to it. Mm. We see the examples of Pizza Hut. We see the examples of Burger King, yeah. which has brought back its uh, a version of its legacy logo. Their most recent campaign yeah. uh, plays off uh, a lot of nostalgic elements. They have it your way campaign yeah. updated for today. Um, but then, yeah, right, we just you, you would mention McDonald's, which has sort of been on this, mm. this self-destructive tear for the past <laughs> decade. Um, you know, right, the adult Happy Meal. Even though yeah. our, or our beloved characters have like two sets of eyes right. uh, to <laughs> to go with this um, uh, collaboration that they're doing with with with, with the streetwear brand, uh, nevertheless, it's a nice little yeah. signal. And I found it very ironic that the Happy Meal box features a red roofed mansard building, which yeah. is of course has been there. In, on, in your corporate board in, in Chicago, it's like the enemy number one, that building. <laughs> demolish. Demolish, you know. But, but anyway, but I think that's encouraging. And in a few days, uh, or maybe today, they are dropping their um, uh, Halloween ha Halloween pails, Happy Meal pails, which they haven't done those in a number of years. So I think corporate America is starting to sort of get it more. I mean, because listen, I mean, if they go on my account or many other accounts too, I'm hardly the only person writing about this stuff or posting about this stuff. They're like, Jesus, this, there's this, why are we, why are we fighting yeah. this? Yeah. Embrace this, you know? And um, so I think that's very good. And then we're also seeing a trend where, you know, there, when you see a picture of New York of a where we just met on the Upper West Side in Columbus Avenue in 1975. Yeah, Go this way, yeah. And you see the, you know, the storefronts. It isn't just that it's always old, tiny, and look at the funny sideburns and bell bottoms everybody's watching. It's just the, the texture of the street. Yeah. It's so much more appealing with a mix of signage and fonts, and it's just much more appealing to the eye. Yeah. Over the past 20 years, we've gone away from that. Yeah. Signage has become very utilitarian, you know, and, and bland and safe. You don't want yeah. to offend anybody's sensibilities. We're, we're a posh neighborhood. We yeah. don't want to have anything outrageous or, or God forbid, tacky, yeah. neon <laughs> or, 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 or funky, funky fonts and typeface. Yeah. But there's been a push against it. You're seeing a lot more of this sort of come back in new neo-neon and new signage. And one of the, um, the, the key players in this space is a company called Noble Signs, where they're based in Brooklyn, two young guys, who, like me, around the same time began to realize that, hey, New York is losing this texture. We, we can, we, we're sign makers, you know, we can do something about it. Yeah. So they've started a kind of a bespoke kind of boutique business out in Brooklyn where they will make, um, create a whole brand identity for a mom and pop business that includes a really smashing sign, you yeah. know, that's, you look at it and you're in love. A, a great example of that is what they did for um, Ace's Pizza in, in Williamsburg. I mean, from the signage to the interior, uh, they even created a little mascot, little ace character. Yeah. I mean, it's fabulous. I know it very well. Yeah. Very, yes. re look, very retro, very cool looking place. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, and so it's nice to see that. And it's not, this is, and again, I think there's uh, some of the pushback on this might be, well, we're just fetishizing a certain era or a certain style. Yeah. Like, I, I don't think so as much as reacting against how bland and banal and boring our world has become. It doesn't necessarily have yeah. to ape the design language of 1970 
do something new, but make it interesting, visually stimulating, fun, exciting. Yeah. That I speaks to your soul, exactly. right? And I feel, yeah. I feel like there's a kind of, you can sense the optimism, especially yes. that age in America in the 60s, mm -hmm. like the 60s in America, there's sure. lots of optimism. You can kind of sense that in the design and That's the architecture. Right. And, that's yeah. right. Even though, even while America was beginning to go through all these these these, yeah. these convulsions, you know, looking around you, it was a very happy, yeah. optimistic place. At least in the uh, right, the, yeah. the, the, the storefront design, you know. But yeah, yeah. I mean, not, I, not, not always the case in certainly uh, in society. But certainly yeah. not. But yeah. yes. But in other ways, absolutely. Yeah. You know, and I think um, I think so. I think the, 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 this counter trend toward uh, making uh, creating more lively streetscapes. Uh, and uh, I think it's very, very welcoming. Yeah. I, I, I couldn't be happier that that's happening. And if I could in any way have either contributed to that or can facilitate it, then yeah, I couldn't be happier. Exactly. Yeah. And uh, do people, yeah. do your viewers on ABC News and yeah. the, the website, um, you know, people on the website get in touch? And uh, do, they do. do you think the stories resonate with them? They do. I mean, the, these sorts of stories perform well uh, for ABC. But I would say where it, it has the greatest impact is on my own social platforms, yeah. on my own Instagram. Yeah. Like I tell you, man. I mean, there, I had a post I did on the on the occasion of the 82nd birthday of Dairy Queen, where I posted a collection of uh, Dairy Queens that I've yeah. shot around the country, including my favorite one, a poster, a picture of a Dairy Queen in Butler, Pennsylvania, on a snowy February day. Yeah. It's just oh, such a good yeah. picture, and I love and. And so this thing is pushing 70,000 likes. Yeah. I probably picked up getting, got 10,000 followers just from that one post, but it really, really resonated. Yeah. So, so I would say, you know, it's, um, you know, there's no, there's no boundaries to the interest that, that I get for this stuff. And one of the things that's very encouraging is when I look at my, my analytics, that the bulk of my readers uh, are like basically in the demographic of 18 to 34, yeah. 40 in that general range. So they're younger people who really appreciate that stuff. And that gives me yeah. a lot of hope that it's not just an old fogey like me, you know, <laughs> that gets this. You know, yeah. that it's people of all ages who think this is significant and who believe in it enough to, um, you know, interact with me and share my content and get it out there and further amplify it. So, exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, people need to check out your Insta. So it's yeah. at uh, yeah, it's Rolando my, it's, it's my name, Pujol. Rolando Pujol. Yeah, at this Rolando point, I'm sort Pujol. of married to that. I'm not going to change it to yeah. Retrologist or whatever. And I have, have a, a have sub a stack as well, yeah. uh, which is also my name, which you can find on my Instagram. And the sub stack offers in-depth newsletters and additional services, uh, uh, things like guides to particular yeah. cities or subject matter, including that Pizza Hut list that yeah. we were talking about. So head on to the, over get, to the sub stack. I'm going to get that. And See where you can plan your next indeed. your wedding. Yeah, pizza hut wedding. I might have to. I might have to do pizza that. Pizza hut wedding. I have to do that myself. There's something here. And yeah, ABC Seven New York. You have uh, stories. Yes. Stories on there. We're just walking past. We're the walking by, we? by the building right here. Exactly. The uh, the wonderful uh, historic headquarters of ABC, yeah. ABC yeah. News, and I love WABC. The great logo. The logo. Yeah, Paul Rand. Yeah. 1962. That ABC logo is an absolute classic. It's, it's an brilliant. icon. Yeah. I mean, they have only made slight modifications to yeah. it here. Well, a couple of years ago, they tweaked the letters a little bit. But yeah. generally, it's, it is a perfect logo. Mm -hmm. And the same year that the logo was introduced, the Circle 7 
logo that WABC uses yeah. it was introduced uh, by a, a graphic designer based in, I believe, San Francisco. It was first rolled out at the ABC station KGO in San Francisco, mm -hmm. quickly spread to the other ABC stations and some non-ABC stations as well, the, the Circle 7 or at least yeah. non-ABC owned stations. And uh, you do not have to improve on yeah. that logo. You it, can it vary great. the width and the, you can play with little things that designers see. But uh, th th for the public, it's been the same logo for just celebrated yeah. its 60th anniversary. That's an, that's an inc that's an incredible run. It's incredible. So, it's incredible. Yeah. I have yep. to I have to ask you one final question, oh, of Orlando. Yes. Uh, is is it anything like Anchorman in your? <laughs> no, not at all. Not at all. You know, it's funny you should say that. You should say that because uh, Eyewitness News, the concept was created by a gentleman named Al Primo, yeah. who just died a couple of weeks ago. Uh, he was 87 years old, and he created the concept down in Philadelphia although the roots of it were even in Pittsburgh where it used to work and elsewhere. Yeah. But uh, the concept basically at its heart is that, you know, new TV news in the 60s was a dreadful, dull affair. It was a, a, st a stentorian-voiced uh, white-haired man with, uh, yeah. you know, horn-rimmed glasses <laughs> reading AP copy. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah, very yeah. few visuals, uh, graphical elements. And, he, and, and Primo said, no, no, no. News is about people, people first. Yeah. We're going to hire reporters. He was even turning people who weren't reporters in the KYW newsroom down in Philly, but who were, you know, were in the newsroom, who were intelligent, and said, I'm going to make you a reporter. I'm going to give you a mic. You're going out. You're going to cover the story. Yeah. You know, and he created beat systems. And so he professionalized local news by making sure that, the, that we were doing original local reporting. Uh, it was, and the eyewitness concept comes from not just like reading wire copy or making some phone calls, but going to the scene, yeah. getting the interview. Yeah sticking that circle seven microphone yeah. right into the camera view there and uh and and bringing the news to the people then bringing that story back to the anchors at the station uh and um and that it, who serve as eyewitness, the reporters serving as eyewitnesses, and then creating a, the team concept. Yeah. You know, reporters, anchors, every whether everybody working together, people that like each other. God forbid, people that like each other. So it becomes a family, and that was very appealing to viewers. And uh, and Eyewitness News has done some really extraordinary journalism over the year. One of the most notable things that Primo executive produced, but the Geraldo Rivera. Who was uh, got its start here at Channel Seven, right, right, right here on this uh, on this block, uh, was an investigation into a um, a, a center for uh, people with disabilities on Staten Island called Willowbrook. Uh, he got remarkable footage and did extraordinary reporting, for which, from where we're standing, you can see the Emmy Award I can see for it, right. that uh, investigation. The Emmy is right there. Right there, the that's all those Emmy that we've hung on to. I'm sure he has Amazing. his own copy. Yeah. And, uh, and, and Hopefully that's, that's, the, that's not the closest I'll ever get to an Emmy. <laughs> oh, I think we can. But well, once we do our piece on the Pizza Hut wedding, Oh, I think we we get we we, we, we have a shot for the EGOT. I think we're so. going all the way with this. I think so. We can <laughs> we, we'll make that documentary. I think we could have a, we think we could have an Academy Award for Best Documentary. I Definitely. think so. Yeah. And it all began here, and you heard it here first. Heard it here first. <laughs> right, let's 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 yeah. wrap it up. I'll walk you back to well, yeah. the, um, Regis. Regis. You Bilbin. said let's meet at the Regis Filming. You know, right, let's is, let's take a look at that, and then we'll we'll which say our become something of a icon we'll say goodbye. So this is the entrance to WABC Seven, and this and is where uh, the Regis, Regis Philbin would come in here yeah. every morning to record a show. It began yeah. as the morning show in 1983. Uh, Regis was, of course, well known at the time, but uh, he had not yet had this transcendent moment of explosive fame. Yeah, the more he, this station 
produced that show, we just, just sort of hit, it just happened for him here. And it happened for WABC here with this show. I mean, there had been morning shows here going back years that had never quite taken off. This took off. It eventually became live with Regis and uh, eventually Regis and Kathy Lee, Kathy Lee yeah. for a big uh, chunk of that run. That was a very popular show. Very America, popular yeah. show. And it still is. And now it's uh, 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 Ryan Seacrest and, yeah. and Kelly Ripa. Yeah. And uh, it's still a, I think, I believe it's the number one syndicated talk show. I think it is. And it's a very, very successful show. And it is still produced out of this very building right. where it has been made uh, all these years, you know. Right. So Have a look for morning, Ryan Seacrest on the way out. You, yeah, please. He might be. You know, how he, are you? How are you? So, in fact, that was uh, Jim Dolan, who was uh, also a legendary reporter here at Channel 7 for, for decades. It's, you know, for me, who grew up in New York, watching this station from childhood, uh, to work here, to work with these giants, and to play a role working on the digital team and working on strategy and, and helping this place evolve for the 21st century... I mean, it's a dream job. If yeah. I could go back to talk to my four-year-old self, uh, the child of Cuban immigrants uh, living in suburban New York in a small apartment, I'd yeah. blow the kid's mind. Yeah. Really? I'm going to work there one day? Exactly. So it's a very, very special place yeah. and, uh, and a great, iconic institution to be associated Definitely. with. Well, yeah. Rolando, we'll, we'll let you go back and yeah, Thank yeah. you so much for talking today. My I hope pleasure. you enjoyed it. It was so much fun. Amazing. A anytime. And uh, see you at the, the Pizza Hut wedding. Yeah, so. Pizza Hut wedding. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Thanks, Rolando. Yeah, you bet. I hope you enjoyed that episode of Park Date. Um, there's lots more where that came from and there'll be more in the future as well. If you enjoyed it, please leave a review, um, good or bad, make them funny. I'll be reading out the best ones, and there'll be a prize for the one that makes me laugh the most. Name check some trees in your reviews and leave them wherever you get your podcast from. Check out our website, parkday.co.uk, and... Um, if you see me walking around in the park, come and say hello. I think that was the sound of someone sneezing. Um, yes. Thank you. Bye-bye. On the next episode of Park Date, join me and Dame Maggie Smith as we take a nude walk on a park date through the English Garden in Munich. It will be a park date that no one around us will ever forget. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. 
Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you.